This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. If you have your Bible, turn with me please to John chapter 17. This is not a lesson appointed for this night, but it's a lesson I think especially uh, apropos and strengthening on a night when so many dioceses and our entire diocese of the Midwest is gathered together in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the unity of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read to you from John 17, just a couple of small sections. Primarily John 17, 1, verses 4 and 5, and then verses 20 to 23. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. Down to verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. The word of the Lord. Several years ago, Catherine and I had an incredible adventure in her home country of Brazil. We traveled to one of the most remote sections of the country, one of the most beautiful uh, sections of the country, filled with stunning and rare wildlife and beauty. But to get into the heart of this part of the country called the Pantanal, it's quite perilous. And one of the most perilous elements of doing this is to travel across the bridges, over a hundred bridges that mark your journey into the heart of the Pantanal. Now, I, having grown up in America, never thought about bridges. I just walked across them or drove across them, never considered the importance of a bridge until I had to, in a four-wheel drive vehicle, sit as we crossed the most makeshift, terrifying, unnerving bridges I have ever experienced in my life. Now, these bridges are like two planks, more than two-by-fours, about twice the size of a two-by-four, two planks laid across a steep, deep ravine. No option to get out and walk the ravine itself. And then planks kind of going across somehow to give you a sense of security when they really had nothing to do with except the planks that were themselves parallel to one another. The driver would line the tires up on this four-wheel drive vehicle to these planks and make his way, as he did all the time, across them. I held my breath, thinking that somehow that made me more secure and safe as we crossed these incredible bridges. Now, a bridge works because it has two points, And it brings those two points together. 
In this case, where we had been and where we were going. And that makes the bridge work. It's attention, a bridge. And a bridge is needed. A bridge is needed to go into the heart of the Pantanal. And a bridge is needed to go into the heart of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The very glory of God himself. We find ourselves on this night with Good Friday here. And the celebration of Easter Day just hours away there on a bridge in the middle. Holy Saturday, the Great Vigil, is a kind of holy bridge. Now this is a far more secure bridge than the makeshift bridges of the Pantanal. But this bridge also has a tension. It's a far more creative, life-giving tension. It's a bridge that brings together the glory of Good Friday with the glory of Easter Day to come. And as we travel this bridge, Catherine and I traveled those bridges in Brazil together. So we as the church travel this bridge, the glory of Good Friday, the glory of the resurrection bridge. We travel it together. Indeed, tonight, the great vigil of Easter, it's church night. Oh, tomorrow, as is so often the case, it will be the case again. So many beloved guests and visitors come into our churches on Easter Day. We thank God we still have the tradition in the Midwest of people visiting. But on Saturday night, before Easter Day, so often, it's church. And in John 17, we are given truly the Lord's Prayer. It's not wrong to call the prayer our Lord has taught us, which we often call the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer, but it really isn't the Lord's Prayer. It's, it's our prayer that he taught us when his followers asked him how they should pray. But this, John 17, is the Lord's Prayer. It's almost too much to read it. To be present to this communion between Jesus and his Father, to experience Jesus fully man, yes, the Son of God, fully God, but fully man, knowing that he must live his life as a human being in constant prayer and communion with his Father. And by the gift of the Holy Spirit, we have been allowed into the life of Jesus with his Father. And at the heart of that life, we see him praying for himself in verses 1 through 5. We see him praying for his apostolic band, his followers, in the middle section of this prayer. But then, he prays for us in verse 20. He prays for the church and he asks God that the church would be a glorious church. He says, the glory that you've given me, Father, I give that glory to them. A glorious church is a church that lives both the glory of the crucifixion and the glory of the resurrection. And it is those churches they live both the glory of Jesus' death and the glory of his rising again. It is those churches that will find a unity in the power of God. It is those churches, regardless of denomination, regardless of the sign out front, that will find a deep, abiding, strengthening unity, no matter how hard the days may come. Now, usually when I preach, I preach to persons, to individuals first, and to the church second. 
But here on this great vigil of Easter, as we're gathered as dioceses and churches within one diocese, this is a church sermon. I'm preaching to the church. I want to preach about the glory of Jesus and his Father. You see that in verse 5 and verse 22. The glory of Jesus' cross, verse 17 and verse 22. And the glory of Jesus' rising. To understand glory, we must understand it first and foremost as core to the relationship of Jesus with his Father. The word glory, that, that word has such power, such resonance. We can hold that word on this night. Tonight is a glory night. It's the word we need to get us to the fullness of Easter day. It's the word we need to get us to the fullness of the lifting of the, of the COVID, COVID illness and disease. It's a word that first and foremost in the scriptures has meant honor. You see that in display when you hear the phrase, to God be the glory, to God be the honor. But the writers of the scripture took the word glory, kabod in the Hebrew, doxa in the Greek, and they imported it with even more meaning than honor. They used the word glory as one of the special words of the scriptures to refer to the radiance of God, the light of Christ. The glory of God is the radiance of God. The glory of God is the revelation of who God really is. The Father and the Son live together in radiance. They live together in glory. They have always lived in glory. There has never been a time, ever, when there's not been the glory of God the Father with God the Son in the power and the glory of the Holy Spirit. Glorify me in your presence, Father Jesus prayed in verse 5. The glory that I had with you before the world existed. Okay. It's going to be okay. God's glory came before all that we're struggling with now. God's glory will have the last word when Jesus returns to this earth to establish the new heavens and the new earth. And you, people of God, are a glory people. You're a glorious church. We are the church of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So let us live that glory by recognizing the glory of God in one another. Let us live that glory by recognizing the radiance of God throughout the beauties and the diversities and the dizzying realities of Christianity, of the church of Jesus Christ. Let us thank God for the glory in another tradition, for the glory in another brother or sister, for the glory among the nations. Oh, the radiance of the Presbyterians. <laughs> oh, the radiance of the Pentecostals. The radiance of the Bible churches. The radiance of the Messianic Jewish movement. The radiance of our older sisters in the Lord that we bless the Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox churches. I could go on and on. But tonight we honor you. Tonight we bless you and we see the radiance of the Father and the Son in you as you live under the authority 
of the gospel. This glory of the Father and the Son would be expressed in the glory of the cross and the glory of the resurrection. Jesus prays this prayer after he has preached a three-chapter sermon. The sermon began in John chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. That's how he began his sermon. He finished his sermon with a prayer, which we often do within our custom and tradition. This is the prayer that he finishes his sermon with. And it's a preaching that he gave the night before the cross. And Jesus says in verse 1, The hour has come. Glorify your Son. And in that, Jesus improbably, explicably links the cross, which is the hour that's come, with the glory of God. The death of Jesus. It's ignominy. It's shame. It's execution. Is the glory of God. Augustine, as I often do, paraphrasing him, where others see him hanging, we see him reigning. Jesus has given us the glory of the cross as the Father gave it to him. Verse 22. The glory that you have given me, the glory of the cross, I now give to them, the holy church, that they would be a church of the cross, that they may be one even as we are one. We as the church participate in the weakness of Jesus so that we can participate in the power of Jesus on his cross. Do not be confused. Do not think that somehow we must have the resurrection to make up for the deficits of the cross. Oh, no. Oh, no, the resurrection only seals all that was won on the cross of Jesus Christ. Both are places of glory. Both must be brought together in the bridge of the church. To my churches, especially, I say to you on this holy night, do not deny your weaknesses, but dedicate them to the Lord. Do not deny those places where you're not as strong as other churches, where the churches seem to excel where you struggle. Don't deny them. Name them and dedicate them to the Lord. Dedicate them in the life of prayer. Oh, my churches. Dedicate them in a willingness to be weak so that Jesus may be radiant. Have you not seen his radiance on this night? Look at us. We love our vigils in the Diocese of the Upper Midwest. This was given to us as our birthright when Father William and Anne began to establish the Easter Vigil in the late 80s. We cherished our vigils. We sacrificed immensely for our vigils. And then we found ourselves in the COVID crisis in a place of incredible weakness. What would be the vigil? How would we have a vigil? And look at this. And in our weakness on this night, we have gathered together as an entire movement like we never have before. We've seen one another singing in Spanish and telling the stories of scriptures from our living rooms and our homes and our churches. Do you see in our weakness the radiance of Jesus? 
I'll never forget a place of incredible weakness for Church of the Resurrection. As many of you know, we were mobile without a church building for over 20 years. Anybody who says they love being mobile hasn't been mobile for 20 years. <laughs> we did that. And it was a place of weakness. It constrained us. It kept us from doing so many other ministries. It required immense intentionality every single week. And I just want to... I just. I just want to be a proud dad, Resurrection, tonight. And I want to say that even when we were mobile, you planted churches. Even when we were mobile, you gave generously from outside of us on Good Friday gifts and other opportunities so that we could help build health clinics and other churches in other countries. And I will never forget the day when it all came together, the power of our weakness, when a dear Nigerian ministry partner who was visiting Chicagoland spontaneously called me and was here. And I came and picked him up, and he had heard that we had a new church building and asked if he could see it. And I did everything I could politely to keep him from coming to this building because I was embarrassed. I'd preached in his churches, converted mechanics' garages. And I just couldn't show him this 90,000-square-foot building without an incredible sense of shame and inequity. But he insisted he see it. The building was still under construction and renovation, but we came in the front door. We walked almost literally right to the spot where I am standing right now in the cathedral. And that brother of a different race, of a different language group, of a different socioeconomic status, of a different church tradition, stood in this place and he said, the church that has built other churches will now have a church building. How in our weakness we saw the glory of Jesus and how I was unified and we were unified with that brother. The glory of Jesus' cross leads us, though, to the glory of his resurrection. Oh, the cross is a glory, but so is the resurrection. We see the resurrection implied in verse 21. Jesus prays, that they all may be one, that the church I'm asking you for, Father, may be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. And here it comes. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. We participate in the power of the resurrection so that we can participate in the power of going to others. Within moments of Jesus' first resurrection appearance in John chapter 20, within moments of him appearing first and foremost to Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene turns and she proclaims, I have seen the Lord. That at the heart of the power of the resurrection is the power to go, it's the power to proclaim. It's the power to realize that not only did Jesus pray for us here, the church in 2020, but he prayed for those who are still to get saved. He prayed for those that we will be used by him to bring to a new birth. He prayed that we would go. Brothers and sisters, let's be absolutely clear about something. Once this COVID-19 crisis lifts, Diocese of the Upper Midwest 
We're not going to try to get back to who we were in March of 2020. That's not where we're going. We're going forward. We're going forward with, ever, with, with, with whatever God has chastened in us, with whatever God has judged in us, with whatever God has corrected in us, and with whatever God has empowered in us. And one thing I know about where we are going is that we were going forward into the heart of evangelism. Diocese of the Upper Midwest, I call you that we be a, a glory of cross and a glory of the resurrection and that we go and proclaim the good news of God in Christ without shame and with the renewed boldness given to us in this time of chastening and challenge. We started as a worship movement, so many of our churches, and we become a worship and multiplying movement. And now I believe here in the middle of this crisis, we're being called to be a worship and multiplying and evangelism movement to the glory of God. Oh, we've already got first fruits. Imagine my joy last night when one of our priests texted me. And he texted me the news that after the Good Friday service here at Resurrection, he was on a Zoom call with some of the, uh, those who are attending one of the churches by Zoom for the last month. And a young man said he wanted to pray the sinner's prayer to receive Jesus as Lord. Because he realized, as Father Matt preached, that Jesus came for him. My brother, if you're watching, let me take the honor of welcoming you into our movement and our church as your bishop. Let me call you to fight the good fight, to grow as a disciple. And would you help lead us in going in the power of the resurrection? Now, family, there are churches that don't live both glories. And we know it in our own lives and in our own churches that we don't live both glories. And some of us indeed might be drawn by personality or background or story or whatever it might be to the glory of the cross. Or some of us are being drawn more to the glory of the resurrection. But the church with only the cross, she will be a church of lament, which is needed. Perhaps a church of contemplation. But she won't be a church that will leave for four walls to go. Oh, that church with only the resurrection She'll be a church of triumph and perhaps a church of conversions. But she'll not be a church that has learned to pray, to wait, and to seek the power of the Holy Spirit and abandoned worship. Jesus asked that we be a glorious church that we live both the glories of the cross and the glories of the resurrection. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As a part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.